two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. over the world. She's artist, engineer, and is having lots of fun programming a mechanical arm to paint like a human. She's also the instigator of the internationally traveling Canadian art collective, 13 Feet Off the Ground, of which I am a happy member. You'll find links to these things and more, along with full show notes on our website, twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you like it, subscribe to hear more episodes, share it with a friend who you think would like it, and if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to the deck of Milano and Fairview Slopes and listen in as Joanne and I talk hacks for dealing with a tight painting space, whether a robotic painting arm is a tool or a creator, and what it feels like to paint on a scaffold 40 feet in the air. Cheers. Joanne Hasty. Here we are sitting at Milano Coffee Bar in beautiful Vancouver. This is, I've been totally looking forward to this, to getting to sit down and really talk. We've done some painting together, we've done some traveling together, but uh, I haven't really gotten to delve into your entire artistic life. So I'm excited about this too. Yay. Thank you, Carol. Yeah, thanks for coming to meet me. So the reason that I was so drawn to ask you to come and do this is because I look at your career mm-hmm. and I see this really neat kind of dance between technology and fine art. You know, you have a, an engineering background. Yes, I do. Yeah. Tell me how that's been for you going between art and engineering. It, I've kept them, at the very beginning, I kept my engineering career and my art career very separate. I even, when I was, I, when I married, I took my husband's name. So as an engineer, I was Joanne Hughes, and as an artist, I was Joanne Hasty. And I realized you can't actually be two separate people. And <laughs> Try so, as you might. <laughs> and I was actually going to business school, and I started getting commissions from Simon Fraser University, and they were confused why I was a student as Joanne Hughes, but then working on paintings for them as Joanne Hasty. So that's when I bumped my name back to, to Joanne Hasty. Yeah. Um, because you just can't be two separate people or keep those careers separate. But one of the first, I actually lucked out. Um, when I finished engineering school, I went to, I moved to Kamloops. And that summer, I think it was my first paycheck. I actually went to the art store and bought the good paints. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I was always buying Liquitex basics. Yeah. And went and invested in a good set of paints and did an art market that summer at Sun Peaks. And I sold about eight paintings. Mm-hmm. And any painting that didn't sell that day, the gallery in Sun Peaks actually asked me, anything that doesn't sell, can we put into our gallery? Mm-hmm. So that was my initial perspective of what an art market is that you sell out yeah <laughs> which is as you know is not yeah. not really what happens wake up joanne it's time for school <laughs> so um so at that time i was working full time as an engineer and painting and i've always kept them separate um in the past couple of years i have started merging them together i took a a penny lane course mm-hmm. uh it was two years ago now um, the Thrive Penny Lane Art School course and she was really talking about uh, self-portrait 
So I was trying to figure out how could I put myself more into my art. And having this engineering background, growing up with a family of engineers and very technical, I wanted to incorporate that somehow into my art. So for the past year, I've actually um, gotten a robotic arm mm-hmm. um, in my studio, and I've been getting it to paint for me. Oh, and how is that going? That has been an, a fantastic experience. I call the project Painting Variables because when you're programming, a variable is like a noun, and it's the, you have to break down all the actions you want to do into the, into the variables. And so your brush stroke, your color, your depth that you dip the brush into water versus into the paint versus onto the page, those are all different variables you have to control. So it's breaking down the process of painting into automating it. So that's been a lot of fun. And it's actually allowed me to go a little more abstract than I'm used to because normally my paintings are are um, of scenery, of landscapes, of cityscapes, so they're familiar places. Um, because I don't have formal art training, I use the colors that I see, and so I'm limited on going abstract and using the, the tools in a different way, and so this actually allows me to step away from trying to create something that's familiar to other people and actually just going down to what is a brush, brush stroke, creating brush strokes, and it's been a lot of fun because that is so nuanced like just if you're sitting painting that the fine fine little difference between totally you know the the depth you are putting your brush in the pressure you're using that's it's the variables of all of those things that create this dynamic painting how do you teach and arm that oh exactly and that's been the fun part and my I have worked in bicycle design and I've designed linkages before. So the ultimate goal is to build my own arm from scratch. But in the meantime, I work with the constraints I have. So I got a desktop arm. And so it actually can only at this time hold a paintbrush directly vertical. So one of the things that happens is um, when it goes to put the brush onto the page, well, the brush itself splurts out and, and makes an awful look. And then it, it drags across the page in a perfectly straight line. And so it doesn't actually look like a brush stroke, right. like you would do by hand, where you're actually using your wrist and your elbow and your shoulder to get curves. And I don't know if you do this, Carol, but do you twirl your brush yep. as you're painting? Totally, to make a point. So, and it makes your lines straighter. It, it, but a robot can't do those things. And so it's seeing what the paint can do with those limitations. So one of the, I probably spent an entire weekend just with trigonometry trying to figure out if I have two points, how can I turn that into a curve? And as soon as I started getting the robot painting curves, the paint was actually flowing so much better. And so it was, it's been a lot of fun breaking down the, the uh, proponents of, components of uh, painting into these little basic wow. pieces. And then also spending a lot of time figuring out colors. So what colors should the robot use that looks looks colorful and one of the things I'm also learning is to not call it the robot painting mm-hmm. but it's just a tool that I'm using in my process yeah wild <laughs> I read a book recently called sourdough I think okay and it is a book about um, an engineer and she is also a baker and what she's trying to do is teach an arm how to crack an egg 
and that is like the ultimate you know thing to teach an arm because if you don't hit it hard enough the egg doesn't break if you hit it just this much harder yep. the whole thing is scrambled yeah it's uh I bet that would be an interesting read for you definitely uh, yeah. I think you mentioned it on another podcast oh you know what I was no I mentioned it to you okay when we were traveling because I read that book as I was uh heading to Sicily so I probably okay. told you about it there I know yeah. that you've mentioned it so yeah. I will check that out and yes cracking an egg would be very difficult and do you find now as you're painting the things that you're learning and exploring with programming this arm are you aware of them as you're painting by hand now has it crept back in the other way um I'm current there's a submission I'm currently focused on for the the pieces that the I'm using the robot for so I actually probably the past month have put focused effort on this project and haven't been painting by hand but um I did do a color study that I then mimicked with the robot and it was actually easier when I first did it by hand and then realized oh wait, I actually go back and forth with the paint and then made the robot do that. You go back and forth and mimic things and it's, it's, it's a really interesting project. So everybody approaches art differently and uh, with your engineering background, it's such a cool road that you end up on. And, and that was really what I was thinking because you go to the culture crawl in Vancouver and it can be overwhelming. Why am I an artist? Why am I doing this when there's so many artists already out there? And what can I say that's different? And um, I really like this project a lot because it's also um, philosophical in that people then say, well, that's not art. Mm -hmm. It wasn't created by a person. Mm -hmm. But then I'm only using it as a tool. And if you saw how much time I'm spending programming and I'm making a lot of decisions that then the robot does, um, it's almost more work than just putting paint down on, onto a page. So it's it's been an interesting project. Yeah, and that's always an interesting dialogue with people. You know, what is art? What is an artist? Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's one that yeah could go in a lot of interesting directions. One of the big projects you've done in the last year, totally separate from mechanical arms and engineering, was to pull together our group that went to Sicily. Tell me how travel became a part of your art practice and what inspired you to bring this group together. I think travel's always been a part of my art practice. And the reason I say that is I grew up in Ontario and there's no mountains. And so when I moved to BC after I graduated engineering, um, it was easy to be inspired by the, the mountains, the new landscape. And when work sent me to Paris... And then I did an extra trip out to Italy. I was very inspired by the older buildings. So it's really seeing what's different. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting to sit down and paint and examine further. So I paint a lot of cityscapes and landscapes um, that are new to me. Um, so painting has always been part, or sorry, travel has always been part of my painting practice. Um, and I actually did a show, this would have been in 2014, at the Fairy Gallery building. And that's in West Vancouver. And the show before mine was a print show, I believe. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I was showing pieces of Tokyo, Paris, um, Italy in that cityscape show. But the show before 
the artist actually had um, Parisian scenes, Italian scenes, and so I had to meet this artist, and it was actually <laughs> Carol McQuaid. There you go. I recall this artist. <laughs> I have spent a lifetime being her. <laughs> so um, that was serendipitous to to see your work and then meet you and then find out how are you inspired by the same places that I paint Mm -hmm. and we went for coffee and you told me all about artist residencies and it just aligned that I had some time and it's rare to have time on your hands so I applied to an art residency out in Sicily that was a fantastic adventure it was the first year of this mural residency in Sicily in a little town called Graniti and They are so welcoming there, and you're immediately part of the community, especially when you're painting an outdoor mural. Um, That it it, it, that whole experience was close to my heart. And two years later, I was able to take my husband there to go see see my mural. And while I was there, uh, I talked to Salvatore, who runs the artist residency, to find out if he would be interested in a bigger group coming to to the the residency and. Of course, he's he he said yes, and so I put it out to to artists I knew, and I couldn't believe that twelve other people said yes, and eleven of us stuck together and went on. Yeah, it, it's amazing, and you know who wouldn't want to say yes? But the actual practicality of twelve people being able to uproot their lives for a month and oh, exactly, and all at the same adventure. time, yeah. It was and remarkable. I had low expectations for that. I didn't think that many of us would come at the end because we put in a big commitment um, leading up to our trip. We did six weeks of Italian lessons together. We did a fundraising show. We just really bonded as a group, which made it that much more special to then work together in Sicily because each of us did our own murals, but those were pretty big projects to take on, and it was a big project for Graniti Murales to take on as well. Yeah, it, it was a huge project. And some of those murals were 65 feet wide. Yours was, how high was your mural? Mine was 27 feet tall, but I first had to climb, I think it was a 13-foot building. And then that's where the 27 feet and above was. So, so you're I got 40 feet in the air. Exactly. Yeah, without a net. <laughs> I had scaffolding. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and so that was, I mean, that was a massive mural and it was absolutely beautiful. Like, yours really was stunning. It was gorgeous. I, I loved it right from, you know, right from seeing the concept, but seeing it big on that wall was just totally mind blowing. It was very intimidating mm-hmm. and being familiar with the place and, and leading the group, I remember being very nervous, but I didn't want to show any of you guys. And one of the things I thought to myself was if they offered me such a big wall, I better use all of it. So actually the tree is taller than what I proposed. I remember even sitting down because I, I made the proposal on the computer, making it a little bit taller and going, no, I don't want to go that high <laughs> and making the tree shorter. No, that doesn't look big enough. And yeah. so trying to find the happy medium of fear versus what will look good but I went bigger than my actual proposal yeah and did you feel fearful once you were up the scaffolding or did you just get absorbed in what you were doing what did it feel like to be up there you should have come up there Lori and (laughs) Lori came up to the top the closest I got was bringing you a chocolate bar at the top of the ladder (laughs) um the first
first day, yes, it's it was intimidating. I wasn't even comfortable climbing the lowest ladder. I had to get the neighbor to tie it up for me before I w- was able to, to go up it. But by the last day, you just get comfortable with that height. Um, and I did notice that I was speeding up throughout the nine days that I was painting and I had a lot more bruises when at the on the later days because you're so you when you are starting to paint you're still figuring things out and you're more conscious of your surroundings and getting used to it but by the time later on whether you're in your studio or painting a mural you're so into the process and focused on making sure what's the outcome is good Mm -hmm. that um, you forget where you are right so you worked your way up to that massive mural you did another mural the first time you went. Correct. Was that your first mural experience? I've actually done three indoor murals pl- prior to going to Sicily. Um, I won a drawing contest in high school that got me to paint a wall mural at the, I think it's now called the Canadian Tire Centre. It's where the Senators play in, um, in Ottawa. So I did a mural there of kids playing in a park for the YMCA. And then I took photos of that mural and went to the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario and showed them the pictures. They loved it. So they gave me a mural. Still at high school age? Still high school. So 1997 Mm -hmm. was when this happened. And then I did another mural at a retirement home in Kamloops. Oh, okay. So I've done a few indoors Mm -hmm. and it's it's fun to do them outdoors because they're just another variable on top of that. But really the exciting part of painting wall murals is the connections with you make with people. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in, in the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario was really special because it was in the emergency hallway. And so kids would come in crying with their parents and then suddenly stop crying because they saw someone painting on the walls oh. and want to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And there was one little girl, I think she was from California. She was staying with her aunt and uncle and she was very sad because she was away from her parents. So I painted her into the mural. Oh, great. In her wheelchair, <laughs> flying a kite, and her, her aunt and uncle couldn't say enough good things. And so it was just, it's special the connections you make with people when you're painting outdoors. Yeah. And you must have had some of those experiences, well, on your first mural in Sicily when you were still at ground level, when people could reach you. <laughs> yes, I had many more of those that time when I was at ground level in a little piazza where there was a bench so people could sit down and watch. Less so when you're on a busy street up a building yeah so tell us a little bit about that first experience in Sicily what that was like for you was that the first sort of extended art trip you had done yes that that was the first um big residency I had done and you must I don't know if you remember how worried I was if it was a good investment or not Uh, um, should I do this residency or not all I remember is you were so fast between concept to execution we met that day you said you know how do you get to go to these cool places and I told you the website that I use to book residencies resartist.com and the next time I talked to you you were booked and going and I was like wow that girl that girl is uh, if I have an idea (laughs) yeah (laughs) the lag time between idea and execution is short yeah (laughs) I have to quickly do it before I get on to the next idea yeah right on (laughs) so there you are in Italy and it was at Christmas time wasn't it it was at Christmas time I learned a lot from that one that I then fixed for the one that we went on so for instance we did our proposals quite quickly 
when we showed up on this past trip where I remember it was a longer lag time to figure out what to paint for a mural because you really have to get to know the town because they want to be connected with the murals and, and that's probably the biggest challenge with a mural is it's going to stay in that location and the community has to be interested in it or it has to be relatable for them. Right. And what was the subject matter of that first one for you? For that one, I painted uh, Valley Alcantara, and it's the view if you head east and look towards the Ionian Sea. Both paintings I did nature and landscapes, really because once you're in the little town, there's not that much green space. So I thought that was an easy, just a beautiful thing to bring into the town because the scenery around Granidi is so breathtaking. It is, um, yeah. Just the rolling hills, steaming volcano, the Mediterranean Sea, mm-hmm. um, how to bring that into this little town. Yeah, and especially with a town like that where the town itself is sort of scaped into the hillside, but you don't see the nature. Once you're within the winding streets, you are engulfed in buildings and bringing those sort of peekaboo views back through it. Exactly. And the other part I found very interesting about the, the project was the artists who were on the, on the park side, was that the north side of the town, up the hill and up the stairs? Because I'd been to that town twice already, and I had no idea they had the terrazzas and the patios in the park up there. Um, so it was really exciting to see a new part of this tiny town, mm-hmm. and that our project actually brought people to that area. Jen and Angela had challenges finishing their murals because so many people wanted to come talk to them and were using that space now that there were artists there. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating project that is breathing a different kind of life into this small town at a time when a lot of the small towns in Italy are, people are migrating away from them. So cool concept and it's working. Can you tell us a little bit about the overview of the project and the people who started it? Uh, Graniti Muralis, Salvatore Romano and Karen Meyer started the project and their ultimate goal was to bring art to the to the community um, and to get people excited about their town again and it's beautiful to see all the the videos coming out of there now of the community coming together. Yeah it is it's very cool to see a town being brought to life in a different way and seeing exactly. the impact on the kids in the town and and what are your mural plans for the future? I have signed up for the Vancouver Mural Festival. We'll see if I get into that. We're still waiting for the the outcomes of that. Um, and I believe we are we are in the works that 13 feet off the ground will, ground will be painting one as part of the Harmony Arts Festival, but I don't know if I can talk about that yet because it's still in progress. We'll talk about it in the, if you build it, they will come. Exactly. (laughs) Mind frame. Okay, perfect. So murals have become a part of your art practice. Where does your passion lie for painting? What have you been doing? What do you want to be doing? And that's truly what I'm trying to figure out right now. And it's probably why you see a pause in my Instagram account and my social media because I really want to paint something new, something different, whether it's my engineering work or my artwork. It's it's really about, or I get excited when I'm in the process of learning and in the process of creating something different that no one's thought of before. 
Um, so I'm reconsidering how I use color in my pieces. I'm, I do want to travel more. So it's, and the big thing that, you know, I've always been wanting to do is get a studio. I currently paint, I, I do the best with what I have. And that's always one of my mantras. If I don't have everything right now, what, what can I do right now? And so I paint in my laundry room, which is a very small room. It has a washer dryer, a water heater, and, um, and my desk and all my painting supplies. Which astonishes me. I, I, I know this about you, and you've usually got your buddy Larry sitting on your shoulder, yes. right? Your, what is? He's a green cheek conure. Green cheek conure. He's a Lo- type of parrot. Lovely little parrot. Um, it's always amazed me that you, I mean, you do some big, beautiful paintings in a very small space. Like how you manage, how you manage that amazes me. Like some of the pieces that I've seen of yours, uh, they were in the show at the Italian Cultural Center we did together. Like huge cityscapes, big, beautiful, sort of architectural. How do you, how do you get a distance on your painting when you're, when you're working in such a tight space? I've developed a few tricks. Um, one being my the way my apartment's set up is it's a very long hallway, so I will sometimes put it at the end of one hallway of the hallway and then stand at the other. But most of the time, I actually photograph my work as I'm doing it. So I'll take it outside in in natural light, photograph it, and when it's on your computer screen, it's actually smaller. Right. <laughs> so there's it's it's funny thing. because there's a there's a video of me painting, and I'm barely looking at the actual painting. I'm looking at my computer screen, and it seems odd to me when I see that video, but I realize I'm actually looking at the picture on the screen because it's smaller to figure out where the next paintbrush stroke goes. Yeah. yeah. But um, when I see some big pieces at shows, I, uh, yes, I crave a, a bigger studio, but um, then I'll just have happy memories of painting in a, yeah. in a laundry room. <laughs> well, you have done, you have done an amazing body of work in, uh, in that space. So, so Thanks. it's working. When I did the 604 project, um, they, they did a video piece on me. And so I had, had three videographers in my laundry room and me. And it was a very cramped. <laughs> you must have all been close friends by the end. <laughs> yes. And I did have another gallery come. Um, they're based in Edmonton. Come visit my studio. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just laughing as they were there. Yeah. We're having a meeting in my laundry room. Yeah. <laughs> right on. But I've, I've done the, the North Shore art crawl and I figure at your home at my home and I figure people get a kick out of it because I have to paint and so I'll make space to paint yeah and you in the time that I've known you which has probably been what four or five years now you tend to have chunks of time when you're completely focused on painting and then you have chunks of time where you get these really interesting creative engineering kind of jobs that are a great blend of your skills and you still keep producing so how do you manage to produce when you're also um, doing other projects it's all about finding priorities and what is my priority right now and working that with whatever the day job is and so for instance last summer I worked in events so cycling events as a marketing director and that's very high energy. Um, I'd come home at the end of the day after making lots of decisions, exhausted to paint. So I started setting my alarm clock at four in the morning. 
So four till 7 a.m. I was painting and I actually got into that habit and um, it, it worked really well. So it's really prioritizing and time management. Yeah. And it's working for you. So yeah. I think so. Yeah. Good. Well, you're, you're certainly producing and it's interesting almost easier to find time to do things when you've already got a lot to do because you know like here are the parameters that I have when you are not working on other projects how do you find are you just sort of painting all day or is it harder is it easier to make time for it I wish I, I had that luxury <laughs> um, no because um, I prioritize painting and that's how I've gotten as far as I have despite working or not being able to do it full time. So I'm just thinking most Christmas breaks, I usually don't travel back to Ontario, but I crank out 15 paintings. Right, right. <laughs> so when I have time, yeah, the focus painting is, is what I love to do. And probably the biggest frustration in the, the time management I have now is when I do paint consistently with focus time, how much better you get and how fast, like, you really notice a big difference in your the quality of work. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Anytime I've done one of those challenges when you're doing something every day for 30 days or really being consistent with my studio time, your skill your skill does shoot up and it's uh, you see it in your in your work and Exactly. Yeah. And you impress yourself, I find, or I impress myself more where what I'm sometimes what you're thinking or you're still happy with the outcome but what you're thinking isn't what the outcome is but then as the more you paint the more your ideas actually come to life and it all is a cohesive yeah thought it's like lang- sense yeah it's like language learning the more you do it the more fluent you get exactly yeah so your body of work it it tends to be cityscapes beautiful colors and a looseness that I think a lot of painters envy. Um, I know that I have a piece of yours that I love that uh, I bought one of your Paris scenes a couple years ago. Uh, And your work is really well received. Like you have a lot of followers, a lot of collectors. Who is your market? How are you reaching them? Oh, good question. If I knew that, I'd probably painting full-time <laughs> if I could accurately answer that um, but what's so much fun is finding the people who mm-hmm. connect with my work because they usually have a story of the place mm-hmm. or the, pl- the place I've painted reminds them of something and we end up exchanging fabulous stories or memories that they completely forgotten so um connecting with people through their memories and is and reminding them of whether it was a vacation or traveling or a Vancouver it's not really a specific person it's it's someone who's had that similar memory of the place yeah nice and you are finding them like it seems from a a perspective of somebody looking on and watching your watching your career grow you've had steady growth and steady sales and steady shows and it's cool to see the effort that you are putting in is reaping a result so it's been exciting to experience and what's really exciting is now being part of a collective where my focus was taking the group to Sicily to paint murals and I haven't done it really much since (laughs) coming back home um I think we all needed a month-long nap after that trip anyway (laughs) and but 
everyone has gone off and created something for the group. And so we have all, a long list of shows and pieces to create. And group shows are just so much fun because that's where you really get to connect with new people because you're bringing everybody's databases and followers together. Yeah. Um, our show in September was was a lot of fun. For me too right now, that's one of the most exciting pieces of life is this collective that that you created out of out of this whole adventure and it's it's going to be really fun to see what happens next. I hope so. We got to figure out what, where we're going in 2019. Yeah. I've got I've got my bags always ready to be packed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay. And what is next for you? What's next for me? Um I've started a new role at Arius Technology. Mm-hmm. Um we merge technology and fine art. Mm-hmm. So it's been a neat way to merge all of my interests. Uh, we scan paintings and uh, do reproductions as well as work with um, contemporary artists. And so I've been focusing on that. Um, we are doing a show in, currently working on a show for November in New York. So I think I've, I'm creating work right now and then focused on this this day job because it's really it's been exciting being able to speak both art and engineering during the day two very unique sides of you that play nicely together <laughs> they always mesh yeah. nice in my brain not just yeah. not to yeah. <laughs> the rest of the world yeah it's interesting how you were saying you know you go to the something like the east side culture crawl which is this amazing smorgasbord of different art and artists and approaches and and it is like it's it's fairly natural to think you know does the world need one more voice like that and yet you are such a unique blend of those two sides and that's a huge part of who you are as an artist and And that's why I'm trying to figure out how to merge that into artwork yeah. Hit list of the places you would most like to take your journey next. What would be? Oh, goodness. I'm hyper-focused on getting studio space. Yeah. And um, what do you see that looking like? Big white walls that need to be filled with color and places and ideas. Um, we'll just let everybody picture this beautiful big space and then call <laughs> Joanne and say, hey. Exactly. <laughs> bring you have an gear. empty warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And then some big pieces. Definitely. I, I love doing big pieces. But right now, my, that long hallway I mentioned, about half of it is five canvases deep yeah. of all the big pieces I've done. And so I've been painting on paper quite a bit more just because it's easier to store. Yeah and takes up less space. Joanne, the show is called Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I don't expect you to spontaneously come up with a punchline for me, but you can share, or if you can, great, but if you can share a joke or a funny story from your creative life. All I can think of is um, actually sitting in Franco's bar. Uh Okay, so for our (laughs) listeners, Franco's bar is also the gas station is also where we uh, had dinner most nights yeah in sicily my my balcony if i opened my door to hang my laundry out hung over franco's bar <laughs> okay so you're in franco's bar and you'll have to is there a blog that goes along with this podcast or yep. any okay there's so you need a, to post one notes. of those pictures was it you or Lori who was at the bar we were drinking our negronis and then the big tanker truck pulls oh, up that was me <laughs> the look on my face is like what what <laughs> 
I don't know how many times we took pictures of ourselves yeah. at the gas station with our drinks. Yeah, yeah. It is. It was very amusing. It's uh, <laughs> every artist should sit in a little bar in Sicily drinking a Negroni yes. as a giant semi creeps up behind them and terrifies them. <laughs> yes, but that bar was pretty nice after a long day of painting because you're so busy focused on the mural and the outcome of the mural I don't know if you found this in, in when you were painting the mural but you're it's a whole body workout it is and when you're putting going from sun up to sundown painting when you finally come back to reality you realize everything hurts yeah yeah and so to sit at the bar with friends that was missing on my first residency I didn't have other artists to to chat with so it was so much fun to go with you guys yeah it was great and you can kind of see how construction workers gather in a bar at the end of the day because I think we probably had a similar feeling you're worn out you feel productive happy but that Negroni's looking pretty good at that point exactly <laughs> well thank you for taking the time to come out and sit in this busy bar beside a street and uh, and swap art stories with well, me it's always a pleasure talking to you Carol thank and you. you thanks been listening to two artists walk into a bar i'm your host artist carol mcquade for full show notes and all the links head to two artists walk into a bar.com if you liked the episode remember to subscribe sign up for updates and leave us a review and if you loved the episode head to two artists walk into a bar.com and buy us our next round cheers <laughs>